And so Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at uh, the story before Luke 2. As a boy growing up, we'd uh, wake up every morning and we'd sit on the couch and we'd read Luke 2, 1 through 14. Uh, as a young boy going to a Christian school, we memorized that passage at a young age. Uh, but Luke chapter 1 sort of gives us the backstory here and helps us understand uh, the journey up to Luke 2 and the trip to Jerusalem from Nazareth where they would uh, both be taxed but yet give birth to baby Jesus. And here we see where Mary discovers that she's uh, going to be the chosen one to carry the Christ child. Look at verse 26 there with me. I'll tell you what, I know we normally don't do this in the evening, in the morning, rather in the evening. But let's let's go ahead and read this responsively tonight, and so we'll read the odd verses together. We're going to read from verse 26 down through verse 33. I'll begin in 26. And in the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Together, verse 27, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said. Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus." He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. When I ask a question tonight is the title, and here it is. Are you highly favored of the Lord? Are you highly favored of the Lord? Let's pray. God, tonight as we turn our attention to Mary, who as a virgin girl conceived and became impregnated with baby Jesus. And we look at her life that she lived, a very humble life, a very simple life. But she was a young lady who was favored. And Lord, I pray that her life would challenge us tonight to go forth and live in a way that is holy, that is favored in heaven. May these words challenge us tonight as we both examine our own lives and Examine the year ahead of us and see how we can better ourselves for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We live in a day where everyone wants to be preferred. Preferred. Some people live this way all the time, right? Uh, What does prefer mean? Prefer means... Uh, this, this is the definition, textbook definition, like one thing or person better than another or others tend to choose. Now, this word prefer has become a uh, advertising term, right? You see this at everywhere you go, uh, that if you uh, will get this item or you'll join this company uh, as a consumer, then you will uh, you will gain the level of a preferred Customer Southwest Airlines offers their A-list preferred program. A-list preferred program. And by joining the A-list preferred program, you get things that others don't. Other airlines will have where you can bypass 
the regular security line, right? And go right through the short security line and then into a room where the commoners don't sit. And they have three coffee, right? And that is the preferred room. Um, there are luxury or preferred hotels. Uh, credit card companies have their preferred awards program. For a while, I had a Chase Sapphire preferred credit card. No, i got to say that is some marketing right there. I wonder how many thousands of dollars they spent figuring out uh, how, uh, how to name that card in a way that would uh, lure people in. Uh, rental car companies have their preferred customer cars where you can forego the counter and go straight to the aisle and pick your favorite car in the aisle and you are a preferred customer. You are a preferred customer. Why is this such a selling point? Why is this word so marketable? The reason is simple. People want to stand out. People want to stand out. They want to be treated better than everyone else around them. There's a story about, uh, I heard this on the radio, uh, uh, one of our uh, senators who's recently been disgraced. Uh, years ago, uh, he, was at a, he was in Iowa. Uh, this is, I guess, back before he was even a politician, but just still a famous person. And He was in Iowa and uh, trying to get out of the airport. They were having snow and he couldn't get out. And they had the commoners mixed in with the media, mixed in with the politicians. And they were all standing in line trying to get on a plane. And weather's per, per, permitting them from getting out. And it is said that this guy looked at the lady who is the attendant and said, Do you not know who I am? You must have something better you can offer me. Like, oh, wow. And this is an attitude a lot of people develop. Uh, people with wealth get used to this kind of thing. And the greater up the money tree you climb, the more pampered uh, uh, you get. The more pampered people get as they climb their, their, this money tree. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of this here. Uh, there is the motel-hotel idea. Uh, the, the commoners, the simple folk, they'll check into a Days Inn or a Motel 6. And i got to tell you tonight that I am somewhat of a hotel snob. As a child growing up, uh, I stayed in a lot of hotel, or rather motel sixes and uh, days in type places. And, uh, you know, my parents didn't have a lot growing up. And so uh, this is the kind of place we stayed in. And the day came where I was able to choose my own uh, place to stay. And, um, you know, I, I don't like there being hair in the sink when I check in. You all know what I'm talking about here? Um, you know, scum around the bottom of the shower is just not becoming... And so, um, not that all Motel 6s do that. I think they're probably trying to repair their image, and I'm not helping. Uh, but there's the Motel 6 level, and then a, a step up from that, and I, you know, I can, I can comfortably stay in one of these. It's still not my preference, but there's the Holiday Inn Express level. The Holiday Inn Express level. And then, you, you step it up a notch, and there's the, there's the Hampton Inns. Now, some Hampton Inns are nicer than others, but most Hampton Inns are very comfortable. They've got a very nice breakfast to offer you, and uh, if you're a, a preferred member at a Hampton Inn, uh, they'll give you uh, some extra perks along the way. And then the step up from that would be maybe a Marriott, and then a step up from the Marriott would be a Ritz-Carlton or a Park Hyatt. These are getting into your five-star type hotels. And, you know, once you have gotten acclimated to one type, it's hard to go backwards. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Once you have stayed in, say, a Hampton Inn for a while, staying in a Motel 6 is tough. It's tough. 
Um, and, well, I know folks who they're used to the Ritz Carlton and they could never stay in a Hampton Inn because that is so below them. Here's another example. Um, let's say you need to go from here out to Missouri on a trip. Uh, the economical cheap way would be to get into your car and drive across the country. And I got to say, yikes, right? Uh, a step up from that would be to fly coach. Uh, I'm going somewhere here. Stay with me. Uh, a step up from that would maybe be to fly business class. And then there are those who say, no, business class is, uh, is for the bums. I'm flying first class. And then there are those who they don't fly first class. They fly in a private jet. Right? They just, everywhere they go, they've got their own private jet. And to fly first class would be well below them. Uh, when it comes to travel, uh, I would love to fly first class. I've never done that. Uh, but I surely don't expect it. Now, you uh, think in terms of, of a, a Motel 6, uh, driving across the country in a small car, going back into Bible times, going across the country on the back of a donkey. And these are the type of folk that Joseph and Mary were. Uh, they were not private jet, Ritz-Carlton, Park Hyatt type folks. They were Motel 6. They were, uh, if they were to fly, someone else bought the tickets and they flew coach. That was more their style. But notice here that the angel said in Luke chapter 1 that Mary was highly favored. Highly favored in heaven. Now, uh, the rest of the world looked down on Mary and Joseph's kind. They had to wait in the long security line at the airport. Uh, they were uh, um, actually, they were pushed out of the Motel 6 in Bethlehem and forced to stay in a drafty barn out back. They didn't even fit the Motel 6 crowd. Um, but that didn't matter in heaven. You see, the angel in, in, in Luke 1 said that she was highly favored of God. Highly favored of God. Heaven saw Mary as part of an elite class on earth. Mary was preferred. And tonight I want to ask you a question. The question isn't, are you preferred at work? Or by the credit card company? Or by the airline? The question is, are you preferred by God? Are you favored in heaven? I propose that we can look at the simple life of this peasant Mary and see some beautiful truths about who she was that will help us to be highly favored or preferred in heaven. Now, my goal tonight is not to elevate Mary on a plane where we worship her. That's not my goal. Religions have done that falsely, sadly. But I do believe there are some characteristics of her life here that we can look at and Lord willing, we can try to imitate those. Tonight, I want us to uh, very briefly and quickly look at four basic characteristics that made this mother of Jesus highly favored of the Lord. The first characteristic I'd like for us to look at tonight is Mary's reputation. Mary's reputation. Look with me at Luke chapter 1 and verse number 28. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 28. The Bible says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So Mary's in her home. Uh, she's probably all by herself, it would seem. And she's maybe uh, doing some chores around her humble abode. And uh, an angel just pops in on her and scares her. I've often wondered if uh, this angel maybe didn't have a sense of humor 
and uh, had it his goal to maybe startle her a little bit. We know he did that, but I don't, I don't know that he set out to do that. And uh, very first words out of his mouth is, Hail, in her title, Thou that art highly favored. Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Now let me just say this evening, there is a difference between your reputation and your character. There is a difference. Now, you say, well, what is the difference between reputation and character? Your reputation is what people perceive you to be. Your character is who you really are, right? So you come to church and you get all dressed up and you sit there and nobody knows that you yelled at your husband or your wife 20 minutes ago in the car on the way to church, right? Uh, you, uh, you, uh, you come to church and you look all cleaned up and nobody knows that you struggle with a particular sin when nobody else is looking. But, but God knows. God knows the difference between your reputation and your character. And I gotta say that it will be a battle till the day I die to make sure that my character holds up to where my reputation is. Uh, as a pastor, someone who is supposed to be a little bit more spiritual than the average Joe, someone who is supposed to know his Bible inside and out and somehow always have the perfect word to say in every given situation. Someone who is uh, uh, maybe put up on a pedestal a little bit higher than I ought to be by some people. And I'll just say quickly here that I am just a regular uh, Joe, a regular guy like, like you. Uh, uh, I have no more pull on heaven than God has given you the opportunity to have a pull on. And uh, it, it is my joy and, and honor to serve you and minister to you as a pastor. But trust me, I have sinful blood that runs through my veins just like the rest of you do and it is a battle i got to say it is a battle to keep my character up to the level that my reputation is god knows where my character is all of you and my even my family they just more or less see my reputation however with mary god knew her reputation and her character and the word around the golden street in heaven was that mary was favored or preferred by God. Look down at verse 31. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I read that in preparation for this, and I stopped and I asked myself this question. Hmm. I wonder if the angels in heaven ever conversed with God about me. You ever wonder that about yourself? They talked about Mary. The word around heaven was... Boy, God really likes that Mary girl. Really likes the way that she carries herself. Really likes the purity in which she lives her life. Really enjoys the, uh, the, the disposition that she has. Really likes her mentality and her outlook. Even though her life has been simple. And I would ask you today this question. Do you have a good reputation? Proverbs 22.1 tells us a good name is rather to be chosen uh, than great riches. And i got to say that protecting your name and your reputation is important. But even more important than that is knowing that you and God are on the right page with having good character. Mary's reputation. When God talks to others about you, what does He say? What does He say? You say, oh, well, pastor, this is an isolated incident. It's actually not. There was a conversation in heaven about Job as well, wasn't there? I think when a Christian's trying really hard to do their best, they're walking according to the Spirit of God. And they're living 
according to the, the, the Bible, to the best of their ability. And they are that, as God described uh, Job, perfect. That doesn't mean you're without sin. That just means you're a mature Christian. When God sees that in you, I think there might be a little bit of bragging of His children that goes on. You know, I, I enjoy very little more than to sit around with people and brag on my son or my daughter. I love it. I love it. And I've talked to many of you about your children, and you all love doing the same thing. You think God doesn't like to brag on His children? Of course He does. But He's looking for that person that is favored. And so I ask you again tonight, are you favored in heaven? Number two, Mary's reverence. So we looked at Mary's reputation. Let's look at Mary's reverence. Look at verse 30 there with me of Luke chapter 1. The Bible says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And so this this angel uh, maybe uh, stands on top of her kitchen counter. She's at the other counter washing dishes. And, and I'm drawing up a scenario here. I wasn't there. I don't really know. But let's say she turned around to grab a towel to dry something off. And there's this angel standing on her countertop. Now, how would you respond? I'm sure she just about passed out. I'm sure there was a blood-curling uh, scream. I'm sure there was great fear as this angelic being is standing in her house. And the angel says to her, uh, uh, Mary, fear not, thou art highly favored in heaven. And uh, she, in verse 30 here, uh, the Bible says she was troubled at the saying. Not only troubled at his presence, but troubled at this man's saying. And she was uh, with great uh, intrepidation, with great fear at what his salutation was. Now, uh, there were a couple of reasons for this. If an angel appeared to you, uh, it was known amongst the people back then that if an angel appeared to you and he didn't have a good reason to do so, you were at risk of being killed. And so she may have been fearful for her life. Uh, we don't know that, but let me just say this here is that uh, today, in the day in which we live, many people use God's name very, very, very loosely. And obviously we know that. Uh, we have people that take God's name in vain regularly, and they uh, they throw it around uh, uh, vainly, uh, OMG this, OMG that, and they text it, they, they, they say it, they use it, and then they claim they don't even believe He exists. And my attitude toward them is, if you don't believe He exists, then take your mother's name in vain and leave my God out of it. Uh, but people uh, are very irreverent to a God they don't believe. I don't see people walking around saying, Oh, my Easter Bunny, or Oh, my Santa Claus. Right? And uh, and, and they want to put God on the same level uh, as a, a God-denying atheist, and I'd say, uh, if you don't believe in Him, why are you so hateful in your language toward Him? But that's not really the crowd I'm trying to address tonight. I'm talking to you, the Christian. I'm talking to me. Um, I don't think we really understand how reverent people were with the name of God back in Bible days. Do you understand that when those who um, copied down the Bible got to the name of God, they would lay their pen down. They would go take a bath. They would come back, and then they would write his name down. And then when they came to his name again, even if it was just a few words later, they would lay the pen down. They would go take a bath. They would come back and write his name again. Boy, that's how much people valued the name of God. Today, even Christians throw his name around so loosely 
back in Joseph and Mary's day, to use the name of God was such a sacred thing that a person would do so with great caution and careful consideration. Why? Because there was a reverence there. There was a reverence there. Let me float a theory out here to you. And I haven't thought through this all the way. But I'll throw it out and maybe later when you're alone and it's quiet, you can meditate on this thought to its complete end. Is it possible that we can sin so easily because we don't really revere our God the way they used to? Is it possible that we are so loose with our lifestyles and so uh, aloof toward our sinful behavior because we don't really fear the person of God the way we ought to. That's something for you to tuck away and think about later. The angel of the Lord came to her. It caused her fear. She was startled. She was fearful for her life. And no doubt, she was most likely in emotional shock. But God chose her. Why? Because she had a deep reverence and respect for God. So we've seen Mary's Reputation. Number two, we see Mary's reverence. Number three, let's look at Mary's responsibility. Mary's responsibility. Look down at verse number 31. Again, this is the angel speaking to her. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. There shall be no end. I want you to put yourself in Mary's spot for a moment tonight. Ladies, that will be easier, easier for you to do than for us men. But imagine you're there and an angel comes to you and says, The God child is going to be put in your care. You will be the mother of the God who created you. Now, let me try to put this in perspective. Those of you here that have children, you'll, you'll be able to understand what I'm about to say. Those of you here that have a pet that you endear greatly, you may on a smaller level be able to understand. I remember the first time that Angela and I asked a babysitter to watch Matthew. Um, He was very small, and we were going to leave him in somebody else's care. Let me tell you, that night when Angela and I went out, I didn't really have a wife. Her mind was just stuck on, I hope Matthew's okay. I hope they're uh, taking care of Matthew. And even now, um, uh, when we go out, I'll, I'll see her pull out her phone and she's texting the babysitter. You guys okay? Everything alright? You know why? Because she gave birth to that young man. She gave birth to his sister. She's concerned for him. Now, God in heaven is going to take His Son, His only begotten Son, and He's going to place them in the womb of a woman who's going to birth that child and then babysit that child to an adult age. Don't you think God would really, really work hard to pick carefully? Boy, I believe that while Mary fit the the bill, fit the 
uh, description of being in the right family lineage and fitting the right spot, I've got to believe that Jesus, or rather God in heaven, looked down and said, this person is going to rock deity to sleep every night. This person is going to wipe his nose. This person is going to change his diaper. This person is going to be responsible for nursing and feeding him. This person is going to be responsible with raising him uh, in a very difficult uh, situation. Listen, uh, I've, I have seen uh, homes where one child just seems to be the goody two-shoes and all the other kids are brats. I've seen some homes like that. But none of that could ever rival what Mary had to deal with. She had a perfect child in God growing up in her home. And then she had all these other children with Joseph who were a bunch of sinners. You can't tell me there wasn't a lot of jealousy in that home. In fact, we know later that uh, Jesus' brothers didn't even believe in Him. As adult men, they didn't even believe brothers and his sisters. In fact, they would say, uh, in, in John, they'd uh, very sarcastically talk to him there. And that, I believe that was because there was a whole lot of envy that had built up. And Mary was the woman chosen to referee all that. God looked down at Mary and He saw that she was a woman who was going to be, was and would be even more increasingly responsible. I think of that song that uh, the trio sung this morning, Miss... Sochi in her solo, uh, part of that song, the song says, um, she looks into his eyes and worships him. Can you imagine holding God in your arms? Staring into the eyes of your baby. Realizing you're staring into the eyes of God. The God who stepped out on nothing and created everything. That is so profound. God chose Mary because He knew she was responsible. Tonight, I want to make it personal to you. Do you have the character and the reputation that God would favor, that God would prefer, that God would talk about you in a way that is preferred? Do you reverence God in a way where you're careful in even the usage of His name and your sin, when you do sin, startles you and bothers you so much that you drop to your knees and you confess it because you revere God? Are you a person that when God gives something to, whether that's a ministry at church or a wife or a husband, a steward or children to raise and take care of or a job, in which you're employed, do you handle that in a way that is responsible that God looks over at the other citizens of heaven and says, I favor him. I favor her because of the way that they handle that which I have uh, given to them to handle. Number four, and lastly, we see Mary's Redeemer. Mary's Redeemer. Look down with me at verse number 46. Now, here Mary has left and gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth who is expecting the, the, the child John the Baptist. And the neat little part of that story is that when Jesus, or rather Mary, walked in the presence of Elizabeth, John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth knew that deity had walked in his presence, had come his presence. And the Bible tells us here in Luke 1 that the baby leaped in the womb with excitement because Jesus had entered the, the same space that he was in. And a little bit later, while probably while Mary is sitting around Elizabeth's house, getting out of Dodge from all of the scuttlebutt and gossip going on around about her, or uh, preparing maybe for that time to come, she's sitting there and she is pondering about the very thing that's going on. Look down at verse 46. The Bible says, And Mary said, My soul 
My soul doth magnify the Lord. What is the soul? It's that part of us that will live forever. Look at verse 47. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. God my Savior. What do I take out of these verses? Mary needed a Savior. You say, oh, that's sacrilegious. No, 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 it's scriptural. Look back down at verse 47. And my spirit, Mary speaking, hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary needed a Savior. Now, if you're not in trouble, you don't need to be saved, do you? I just want to logic with you here. I want to take the Bible and just explain it. I'm not here to step on anybody's toes. Here at our church, we are biblicists. That means we let the Bible speak for itself and we agree with the Bible. We agree with the Bible. Why would Mary need a Redeemer? Why would Mary need a Savior? Mary needed a Redeemer or Savior because she was a sinner. We've talked about Mary in a very positive light tonight. And I believe, I believe deservingly so, she was favored or preferred in heaven. But even in Mary's favored or preferred state, she was still unworthy of heaven. Mary had done what you must do in order to be saved, in order to make it into heaven. Mary had put her faith and trust in the God who created her and then the God she would give birth to. Boy, what an agonizing journey for this woman. She birthed this child and then raised him, pushed him to perform his first miracle there at the marriage of Cana, followed him as he was popular and probably just her heart swelled with pride as her son was so popular on the world stage and then when the world turned their back on him and even his siblings turned their back on him, Mary never stopped believing. When Jesus was arrested falsely and then falsely accused and had his face spit in and his beard torn and an angry mob cry crucify him. His back was torn open with a cat of nine tails. His head was, uh, uh, was, was marred with a crown of thorns that was mashed down into his skull and a robe that was put on his back, a reed put in his hand and Roman soldiers and, and, and high priest scribes bowing down before him, mocking him, saying, Hail! King of the Jews, Mary was there to support him and the agony she must have watched that and endured that with. Mary then was there when he was led down the street. Mary watched as they hammered spikes through his hands and his feet, his wrists and his feet. Mary stood there with tears running down her cheeks, watched as her son became your sin and my sin. Mary never stopped believing in her son. What a tremendous emotional moment it must have been for Mary to look up and watch as her son became her Savior. Watch as her son bore her own sin. Mary was redeemed because of her faith and the very sacrifice that Her son had become. 
But the story doesn't end there with Mary. You see, Mary was there when her son was raised from the dead. She would see him. She would see him. And Mary was there when he would ascend to heaven. Mary was there in the upper room where the early church started. Mary today is in heaven, not because she was some perfect saint. Mary is in heaven because she believed in Jesus. You see, the only sin that can condemn your soul to hell is unbelief. If you choose not to believe in what Jesus did, you choose to rather put weight in your own doings, your own works, that's going to land you in hell. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Whose mercy? God's mercy. How was that mercy displayed? On a tree where the babe of Bethlehem would become the sacrifice for humanity and then the victor over death. As a small child, I bowed my head and I prayed a very simple prayer of faith. My prayer basically was this, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve heaven because of my sin. But I believe that you have died on the cross for me. Will you come in my life? Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you give me the gift of eternal life? And as a small child, God adopted me into His family. He changed my path from hell to heaven. And He gave me the gift of eternal life. I would like to encourage you to do the same thing this evening. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you've never ever put your faith in Jesus and Him alone to save you, let me encourage you to do that right now. You can repeat a prayer after me. Listen, I know that many of you have been to churches where a repetitious prayer is given by the priest or the pastor. God is not looking for you to just repeat a prayer. That's not going to get you anywhere. That won't get you to heaven. It won't get you a cup of coffee. It won't get you anywhere. God's not looking for you to just pray a prayer. He's looking for you to believe in His Son. By your faith, He'll save you. Just repeat this prayer after me with a heart full of faith if you'd like to call on the name of Jesus and follow the example of Mary and allow Jesus to be your Redeemer. Just say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Say it under your breath. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin is wrong. I'm asking you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I want you to be my Redeemer and my eternal Savior. Save my soul. In Jesus' name. If you're here tonight and you, your head's bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer, my friend, I would just like to rejoice with you. Would you do me a favor if you prayed that prayer and you meant that with a heart of faith, would you just slip your hand up? So I can rejoice with you. I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to rejoice with you privately. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for a chance to study and look at it. Thank you for Mary and the life she lived. May we live to be in favor with you. Preferred in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
All right. You have your candles. Let's stand. Let's have all the um, the lights, uh, the side lights off, if we could, Brother Matt. We could have the side lights off there. Ushers, if you'll come forward. And the way this is going to work, you can go ahead and stand. The way this is going to work is that the ushers will light the candles on the edge of the aisle, and then you will help light the person next to you. Please try to keep the wax inside that little glass. And once we've got the majority of the candles lit, you go ahead and start, guys. Once we've got the majority of the candles lit, we're going to put the words of Silent Night up on the screen, and then we will, um, we will sing that together. Uh, we're going to do it in English, and then we're going to sing the first verse in English and Spanish, and then we'll come back and sing the second verse in English. If you don't know how to sing in Spanish, then you can just stand there and enjoy it, okay?